So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses appeared, uh, horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariot and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided from the right to the left and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho were watching and said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said, we, were your, we your servants have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. When they turned to a, returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, 
Didn't I tell you not to go? Uh, how about I pray for us and then we'll get into it. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is good. Thank you that in it you speak to us. I pray now as I speak that you'll be helping me to speak well, to say what you want me to say. I pray that all of us will be hearing from you and be responding to you. Amen. I wonder if you, like me, think to yourself on a semi-regular basis, what am I here for? It happens to me uh, fairly often, for instance, when I will walk into the kitchen and then I'll look around and I'll be like, what am I here for? And then I'll be like, oh, there's some chocolate. And I'll eat it and I'll go, well, that was a successful trip to the kitchen. And I'll go and sit down on the couch and then my wife will be like, did you get me my water? I'm like, oh, that's what I was doing. And I'll get up, I'll go back to the kitchen and I'll be like, what am I here for? And I'll, oh, chocolate. And I'll eat it and I'll go back. And then we just cut in this endless loop until we die. And she dies first because she doesn't have water and I have chocolate to sustain me. Uh, but uh, I tell you this only not because uh, you are probably thinking that often about why you're in the kitchen or maybe if you are, go and see a doctor. They can uh, help you to figure out if that's just you or there's more going on. Uh, but uh, sometimes we think about our bigger call in life. What are we doing here? What are we doing here on earth? What are we here for? And then if we are here for a reason, how do we do that well? How do we make sure we don't find ourselves halfway through our life going, what am I here for? And, or am I doing it properly? Or have I got halfway through and forgotten what I should be doing? And in this story that we see today, we see Elisha, who is uh, called by Elijah, called to live a particular life. And we're going to see what we can learn from Elijah's, Elisha's life and this particular call to figure out how we live out the call of God in our life. Uh, sometimes we have this feeling that it'd be great to have some very clear call to know exactly what we are called to, uh, to know where we're going and it to be interesting and spectacular. Uh, I was watching an interview with a YouTuber whose name is Mr. Beast. Uh, he's the biggest YouTuber in the world. He's got over 170 million people subscribing to him. And he talks about how from the time he was like 13, he knew exactly what he wanted to do with his life. He's like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to be the best YouTuber I can be. And he just worked at it and he worked at it and worked at it. He was single-minded in his pursuit of what he felt like was his call, his reason to be here. And some of that kind of thing would feel nice if we knew we're going to be this. We're going to be a great prophet. We're going to be the best YouTuber. We're going to be the prime minister. We're going to be the captain of the Matildas or the Socceroos. We know what we're called to. But the, the thing is, most of us are not going to get called to that kind of thing. Probably everyone in this room is not going to become any of those things. Uh, but we get a greater call, a better call, a bigger call than any of those calls. The Bible tells us that we have been called by God out of darkness into His wonderful light. Called by God out of death into new life because Jesus has died and risen again and we get His resurrection life. We get forgiven for our sins and welcomed into God's family. We get called by Jesus in this new life to follow Him, to follow Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived. And we get called to share the good news of Jesus with others so that others might also move from darkness to light, from death to life. 
That is a big and better call than any other call we have in this life. So the question is, how do we live out that call that we have been called to? And so we're going to see what we can see from this story. The first thing that we're going to see is that we need to be willing to leave our old life behind, to leave the life that we were called from and move to the life we've been called to. So we see in this story, it begins, it says uh, that Elijah, who's being told he needs to uh, anoint Elisha to be his new disciple uh, so that he can take over from him. And Elijah finds Elisha and Elisha is plowing a field. He's got, says, 12 yoke of oxen and his with the, the 12th pair, which means that he's at the back. He's the guy in charge. He's a guy who is a successful, uh, wealthy ox man. Farmer. Farmer, I think, is what the, the word I'm looking for there. He's a wealthy, successful, you know, ox farming man. And he is uh, impressive, right? And, uh, and Elijah comes up and throws his cloak on him. And it says he walks away. And then Elisha runs after him and says to him, Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. That's a weird thing to happen. Like if I was just to head out onto the street there, take my coat off and throw it on someone, they would not turn to me and say, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I'll follow you. They'll be like, what, what are you doing? Why, this is, why is your, why, what, you are a weird person. This is creepy. Get your coat off me. I don't need your coat. Like, it, it, it doesn't make much sense. But what's actually going on here is that the coat, or the cloak of Elijah is one that he was known by, that he was known for his cloak. And his cloak was a symbol of his job of being the prophet to Israel, the one who brings God's word to God's people. And so when he throws it on Elisha, what he's saying is, you're going to have my job. And Elisha says, all right, uh, then I'll take that job, but let me go and say goodbye to my father and mother. It'd be like if a, if a police officer walked up to you and then they handed you their badge and their gun and they said, go now. And you're like, yes, I will. It's my job now to fight crime. And like, I mean, that's illegal and not exactly how it works. But you would know that like the badge and the gun are like, they are the symbols of their role. And so you would know you've been called to, to be a police officer. And, and that's kind of what's happening here. And then we see that Elisha, it says, he says goodbye to his parents. And then he comes back and he takes the yoke of oxen and he slaughters them. So he kills the oxen and then he feeds, cooks the meat and he gives it to everyone. And they all eat. They have this huge ox party. And what he's saying is, uh, I'm not going back to my old life. To show that I'm not going back to my old life, I'm going to kill the thing that, that makes money for me. So I cannot go back. There's no way I can go back. It's like if you met someone who had a trucking company and then they said, I'm going to sell the trucking company and throw a big party and everyone has a huge party, they can never go back to that trucking company life because it's all gone. And that's what he's doing. And if we are going to be people who successfully lean into the call of God on our lives, we need to be people who are willing to leave our old life behind. Say, that was the life, the life I used to live, and now I've been called to the life of following Jesus, the new life of life. And I'm going to leave the old one behind. I had the chance to leave an old life behind once, which was uh, inspiring for at least me and probably no one else. Uh, I got a job when I left school as uh, working in the local cinema. Uh, it was My friends called it the wet dog cinema because it smelt like 
wet dog. And uh, it was... It was the small cinema compared to the big one that had opened across the railway line. So it was pretty quiet. And uh, when I first started this job, my boss said to me, he was like, you can have the day shift. And so the way it works is, uh, you know, you'll get very few people come in. Like for the, for the uh, nine o'clock session, you'll get three old retired women who are coming in together and get, they'll get their seniors discount and have a good time. And then for the, for the two o'clock session, you'll get one single strange man who will come in and that's it. That's everyone who's going to come. And in between, your job is just to stand around. If anyone comes in, you answer inquiries and uh, maybe, you know, restock the candy bar if you need to. And otherwise, it's great. I was like, great. So I just would stand in the box office, read a book and, and serve, you know, four people a day. They might buy one popcorn and then I'd have to, you know, do that. And that was the whole job. It was great. And then my boss came up to me one day and said, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just standing here reading because there's nothing to do. He's like, there's always something to do. You should be cleaning. You should be stocking the, restocking the popcorn machine. You should be, you know, restacking the Maltesers. You should be doing something. So for, for like hours on end in my, my shift in the middle of the day, I'd just be cleaning and cleaning and restacking Maltesers and making choc tops that don't need to be made. And it was one time, like I started, I just would find anything to do to alleviate the boredom because I started to hate the job. There was one day I was out the front of the, the, um, the cinema and I was sweeping up rubbish that wasn't there. And uh, a man came walking down the street and he looked like he had a bit much to drink. And, uh, and he looked like he was going to ask me to use the bathroom. And I was like, this is the highlight of my day because I get to tell him, no, you can't use the bathroom unless you buy a ticket. It'll be exciting. And so he came up to me and was like, can I use your bathroom? And I was like, no, unless you buy a ticket. And he was like, oh, okay then. And then I went back to my sweeping and then I looked up and I looked down the street to see where he'd gone and he wasn't there. So I looked back down the street to see if he'd gone that way. Hadn't gone there. I looked into the cinema. He'd gone into the lobby and was going in the lobby. He just walked straight up to a wall and relieved himself. And I was like, oh no. I mean, it's very exciting. So I, so I went up to him and said, excuse me, you can't wee here. And he was like, oh, sorry, mate. And then uh, finished up and then walked out and then I had to clean it up. I was like, I, I'm done with this. I don't want this anymore. And then my boss said, you know what? If you can't work Friday, Saturday and Sunday night, you can't do this job anymore. I was like, yes. I have youth group on Friday nights, church on Sunday. I'm going to tell him and he'll fire me and I'll be persecuted for the Lord. And so I went and told him and he was like, oh, just work Saturdays, that's fine. I was like, no. <laughs> and then eventually my mum said to me, I've got a job going at my work where you can be the holiday receptionist. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. So I went up to my boss and said, I've got to leave in two weeks because I've got another job. And he said, you can go tonight. And I said, I will. And so I finished my vacuuming and then I burnt the vacuum cleaner and I fed it to everyone. We had a party and it was great. And I left that old life behind and it was wonderful. Now we have an old life that we've been called from and it can seem attractive in the rearview mirror. And when I look back on that job, there are attractive things on that job. I got unlimited popcorn. I could go to the movies for free whenever I wanted, but I have to remember the boss was bad. The job was not good. And when we leave our old life where we were in charge and we were the ones who had to get our life right and we kept stuffing it up, when, when we were giving in to, to sin, when we were doing, doing, living the life that, that was only bringing us death, 
we need to remember that is the life that we left. And we need to be willing to make the sacrifices, to make the break, to leave it behind, to follow Jesus where he takes us because we know that he is the best boss. He's the right person to be in charge. He is the one who has the best life, giving life for us. And so we follow him. It might mean that we need to change our relationships. It might mean that we need to uh, reassess uh, our, our work. It might need, mean that we need to, to stop doing things that we used to do because they lead us into sin. It might be about deleting apps off your phone, about changing the, the way that you spend your time. I don't know what it is. What is the old life that you are leaving behind? But you need to be able to make that sacrifice to get rid of the old life because there's no better life than the life that Jesus calls us to. That is how we follow the call of Jesus, to be willing to leave the old life behind and never go back. The second thing we see from this uh, is that we need to be people who are willing to stick with it. That Jesus calls us to be people who when we start following him, we finish. It's not the starting that counts, it's the finishing. That we begin the journey and we go all the way to the end. And that's what we see here with Elisha. With Elijah and Elisha, they're uh, doing this tour in uh, 2 Kings 2, as we see, of all the like, towns around uh, the Jordan River. And uh, each time he's going to a town, Elijah turns to Elisha and says, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And each time Elisha replies, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And he's, what he's saying there is saying, I'm not giving up. Elijah is giving him the chance to turn his back, to say, this is too much, I'm done. His, Elijah is testing the call of Elisha. And every time Elisha says, no, I'm sticking with you. I'm going all the way. It's the finishing that counts. I'm, I'm going to stick with you. And so we need to be people who are willing to do the same thing. Because we can start following Jesus, but, and that can seem great at the beginning, but then it gets tough. It gets tough because we have to make sacrifices for Jesus. It might affect the way that we do, do our jobs, the way that we do our romantic relationships, the way that we relate to our friends, the way that we think about the society that we live in. And it can get hard. And we need to be willing to say, I'm going to stick at it and stick at it to the end. Uh, I once decided that I wanted to become a Kung Fu master. And uh, so we, with my friends, I uh, lived in a share house at the time. Uh, I found a Kung Fu place near my house and they had two free lessons. And I was like, oh, let's go to that. And so I invited them. We all went together and we went to our first Kung Fu lesson. I learned the nine weapons of Kung Fu, which is three strikes, three kicks, and three blocks. And so I practiced them all week and then I went back for the next one and then we were practicing some more and I successfully hit my first opponent, which was me, when I blocked a strike into my face. But, you know, still I'd achieved something. And then the, the Kung Fu master said to us, he was like, if you want to be good at Kung Fu, you've got to be here at least three times a week. I was like, well, three, what, three times a week? I was like, once a week at the most, that's what I was thinking. Like three times? That is way too much. And, uh, and so I never went back. I was done. Like it was fun at the beginning and I imagined myself being a great Kung Fu master, but it just did not work because I did not have the time. I did not want to commit to it. And following Jesus can be a bit like that. It feels great at the beginning, but it's going to get tough. 
But it's not the starting that counts, it's the finishing. Uh, Jesus talks about, uh, talks about this uh, in Luke chapter 9. Uh, when he's talking to people and he says, uh, someone says to him, uh, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Sounding a little bit like Elisha. And Jesus says, no one puts their hand to the plow and looks back as fit for the service in the kingdom of God. And then he talks a little bit later on in the next a few, uh, few chapters later, he talks about people who start building a tower and can't finish it or start a war and can't finish. And he's saying, you've got to keep your eye on the prize. Keep going forward. Don't give up because it's not the starting that counts. It's the finishing. You'll be tempted to give up. You'll find things in the Bible that you don't like. You will find people who show you a life that looks more fun. You will, you'll find that sometimes it's just, you know, just easier just to not to put the effort in. Stick with it because that's how we live the life that we are called to. And then the last thing that we see from the passage is that we've got to know where the power is. And so we see that just, uh, just before Elijah goes away, him and Elisha cross the River Jordan. Elijah takes his old cloak and he whacks the river with it and the river parts and then they walk through on dry land and then when they get to the other side, uh, Elijah says to Elisha, uh, tell me what can I do from you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, which sounds like what he is saying is, let me be twice as good at being a prophet as you. And, uh, and what he's actually saying is he's saying, let me be a prophet just like you because he's not talking about power and getting more of it, but he's talking about inheritance because in ancient Israel, the way inheritance worked is the eldest son, the one who was going to follow in the father's footsteps and continue the father's work and continue the father's legacy, he would get a double portion of inheritance, twice as much than anyone else was getting. And so he's saying, let me be the same as you to continue your work. And Elijah knows that it's not for him to grant. It's God's job to give that, uh, that power out. And so he says, you've asked a difficult thing. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Because it's an amazing spiritual thing is about to happen. And if Elisha sees it, then he's got the spiritual sight needed to be a prophet. But if he doesn't see it, then he hasn't got it. And so then it says that as they're walking along, a chariot of fire and horsemen, horses of fire appear. And uh, they separate Elijah and Elisha. And then there's a, a whirlwind and Elijah is taken up into it. That's a terrifying image. Like if there was like a horse that came in through the door there and was on fire and then a chariot came behind it, we'd be like, this is terrifying. And then a tornado happens. Like this is the worst thing ever. Like it'd be a very bad day when that happens. And Elisha sees it. This is a terrifying thing to see. But he sees it uh, and he knows then that God's power is with him and uh, just as it was with Elijah. And Elijah is taken up in the whirlwind and is seen no more. And Elisha goes back to the Jordan River and he takes the cloak that had been put on his shoulders many years before and he strikes the Jordan River. And as he strikes, he says, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And then the river divides. And we know there is the God of Elijah. He's with Elisha now. Elisha has the power. He will continue on. It's not Elijah's power and it's not Elisha's power, it's God's power who is with Elisha. And we too need to remember that as we live out the calling that we are called to, that the power that we have doesn't come from us. 
We don't live out our calling by white-knuckling it to the end. We don't live out our calling by being people who are just really, really good at being followers of Jesus. Now we live out our calling because we have the power of God living in us. There's a story that Jesus tells uh, in, well, there's a story about Jesus uh, where Jesus has died and he's risen again and he's about to head off into heaven, ascend into heaven, a little bit like Elisha, but with less horses and whirlwinds. And he says to his disciples, uh, he says, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying, you are going to get the Holy Spirit, my Spirit to live in you and empower you to live the life of following me. It's only through the power of Jesus that we can live out the calling that we've been called to. It's not in us. It's only in Him. Uh, the other day, uh, last Friday, actually, not the one that we just had, the one before, we were, I was... Uh, getting ready for youth group and then I had to go and pick up my daughter from childcare before I went back for youth group. And, uh, and so I, put some, I went to my house and I put some uh, sweet potato in the oven and had it ready to go. And uh, I was going to pick up my daughter and then the, the sweet potato was cooking in the oven. I felt like a really good dad because, you know, dinner's on the, ready to go. It's cooking. I'm picking up my daughter. Life is good. And I pick up my daughter and then I get a text from my wife. You're going to have to find a different dinner option because we've just had a blackout. I was like, no. And I'd, I'd put all the work in to be a great dad and a great provider. And then the power goes out and I can achieve nothing. I came home to a, like a sloppy mess of, of sweet potato in an oven full of condensation. It was a very sad thing to find at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. But, uh, but all the work I'd put in was useless without the power in our building. And all the work that we put into following Jesus is useless without the power of God with us. We get greater power than the power of Elijah. We get Jesus' Spirit living in us and empowering us to turn our back on sin, empowering us to leave our old life behind, empowering us to stick with it, with Jesus all the way to the end. If you know where the power comes from and you look to Jesus to empower you, you will make it to the end. You'll be able to say no to the old life and live the life that Jesus called you to. You'll be able to tell, share the good news of Jesus with your friends and God will be at work because it's his spirit who gets the work done. It's his power at work in us. You've got to know where the power comes from and then you'll be able to live out the calling that, you've, that Jesus has brought you to. If you're not a Christian, then what all of this means for you is that there is a call on your life that you get to respond to. And it's bigger than anything else that you can be called to. A call from death to life, from meaninglessness to meaning. A call to follow the best man who ever lived and who still lives now. If you give your life to him and follow him, you get life and life forever and a life of meaning right now. You can answer that call if you want to. And if you are a Christian, then what this means for you is that you have been called You've received the greatest call and you now get to choose to continue to turn your back on your old life, to continue to keep sticking with following Jesus, even when it's tough. And as you do that, you can do it knowing that you have the power of Jesus with you and letting you, helping you get through it, see it to the end. Because it's Jesus who will empower you to answer his call. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father God, I thank you uh, for your word. 
And I thank you that we see uh, your call to us. I thank you that we see that we can be people who answer that call, who live out that calling uh, with your power in us. I pray that we'll be people who are willing to leave our old life behind. That when we look at it and we see that it looks good, that it looks tempting, that we realize that you are the better leader. That when we are tempted to give up, we know that you stuck it out to the end and you have given us your spirit so that we might too. I pray that we will live out the call that you have given us and we will see you at the end. Amen.